Welcome, everybody, to yet another episode of the Wrestling vs. the World podcast. You all enjoying your day? Awesome. If not, I don't know if this episode will do you any favors because of the subject matter. Now, I know usually whenever I do, like, hip review reviews of sorts, I do it in video format. I've got the footage and everything for illustration purposes for review. But this pay-per-view is so freaking bad that I cannot torture myself by freaking editing yet another pay-per-view review and being reminded of myself of how bad these shows are. I've been through it with King of the Ring 95. I've been through it through WrestleMania 11. I'm not doing it with this pay-per-view. Otherwise, I will lose my sanity. You know which episode with pay-per-view I'm talking about because the title. Freaking December to December 2006. The very pay-per-view whose DVD I freaking destroyed with a machete in a YouTube video because this show is awful. Why is it awful? Well, I'm going to break it down. I mean, it's not going to be like breakdown, like full-on review saying like, oh, this was done, this was done, and matches everything. No. This is going to be like a breakdown of saying why this pay-per-view is the worst ever in WWE history and breaking down like all, like what happened on this show. Because like this, no, absolutely nothing was done right in this pay-per-view. This was the only ECW branded, like exclusive pay-per-view for the ECW brand since it was relaunched in 2006. They were supposed to do another one in 2007, but they scrapped that because of how much of a disaster this show was. I'm going to say right off the bat, this is the only pay-per-view in WWE history I rank lower than King of the Ring 95. Lower than I rank WrestleMania's 2, 9, 11, 15, and 16, SummerSlam 93, Survivor Series 99, any of that stuff. This, oh my god, I'm getting flashbacks thinking about this. So right off the bat, the first match... Well, before we get to that first match, let's bring out the first quick problem that happened. Only two matches were advertised for the show. The opening contest and the main event, so you had four filler matches thrown in there. So the first match we had, the Hardys, Matt and Jeff Hardy versus Eminem. Here's the problem, though, right off the bat. This is supposed to be an ECW exclusive pay-per-view, so, so wrestlers that are part of the ECW brand. However, none of these men were assigned to the brand. They made appearances... Because all four men were just jumping around on all three main card shows of Raw, ECW, and SmackDown. Starting around this time up until the following year. But it's like, you look at that, Matt Hardy was on SmackDown. Because he had been so ever since he lost that Loser Leaves Raw match the year prior to Edge in that ladder match. Jeff Hardy was on Raw. Joey Mercury just came back. And he was technically part of the SmackDown brand. And Johnny Nitro with Molina were over on Raw. Because they've been back over on Raw since after Judgment Day. Because... After Eminem broke up because Joey Mercury had a wellness policy violation, they're like, oh, like, Tay Long is freaking mad at Johnny Nitro and Melina getting in his face. Like, holla, player, you're going, you're fired, player! And, like, freaking sent him over to Raw. So this match, like, so, like right off the bat, the freaking, you have an ECW branded peer review, and the first match is between two teams where neither of them are even assigned to the brand. They're just jumping around because this freaking brand was hurting for certain, like, good lord. Like, yeah, it was the best match on the card, but this match also, like, is not only the second longest match on the night, but it felt like this match dragged on just to fill up time, because this match, I think, lived a little over two hours. So it's like, they had three hours of pay-per-view time to kill. They had to stretch this match out to the point where it just felt like it dragged. Like, golly. Like, no offense to Hardy Boys or Eminem. Both are great tag teams, but you know there's a problem when you have to call in two tag teams from different brands where the teammates are not even technically on the same brand as each other because of the brand split, and they have to be on an ECW exclusive pay-per-view just to try to get hype for this show, because it's one of the two hyped-up matches that were advertised for this show in the first place. It's like, yeah, Hardy Boys won, great, but still, 
Like, not the best decision. And, like I said, the fact that they were running low or having a hard time filling up time and everything, maybe because of a thin roster, maybe because somebody in creative team did not freaking think this out, you had to have the match drag out. Now, the second match. Oh, I fucking hated this one. This is where the shit really starts at the fan. Balls Mahoney versus Matt Stryker in a Strikers rules match. If members certain right, the rules were like saying no hair pulling, no eye gouging, no moves off the top rope, and maybe I think it was also like no foul language. It's like fuck that. So it's like it's like you have ECW supposed to be known for being extreme, but your second match on the card has an extreme reinforcement of the rules. Like seriously, like you're just reinforcing rules about saying no eye gouging, no hair pulling. Why would you have a freaking rule about saying no foul language? This is not, we're not in the PG era yet, Striker. We're off by like a year and a half at that point. And no moves off the top rope? Like really, ECW is supposed to be extreme, yet you're freaking making this whole thing water down. It was like when you had the freaking match between Triple H and Randy Orton and WrestleMania 29 or 25. They're supposed to want to rip each other's heads off, but then you also have the rule saying Triple H can lose a title by disqualification. So you're restricting them to make this match actually interesting. Like, the only thing you probably remember from this match was that Matt Stryker had a picture of his face on the ass of his tights, just like make jokes saying, Oh, look, he's sitting on his own face. Ha ha ha. Like, one thing I probably remember the whole thing, like, well, Matt Stryker is working on Balls Mahoney's left arm, which is absolutely pointless. There's one point where, like, I think Balls Mahoney did a leapfrog over Matt Stryker. Matt Stryker just stopped, he pointed to the crowd, he's like, Did he just do a leapfrog? And, like, I'm like, Yeah, he did a leapfrog. Fucking wrestle! Like, why? Like, you had to finish off with, like, a set-out spine buster, and that was it. I think Balls was supposed to be, like, like head plants of doing, like, a pile driver off the second rope. It's like, couldn't, because, oh, it, like, reinforcement of the rules. It's like, ugh, why don't we have... That's I'm surprised Vince McMahon did not think, oh, that's such good shit. We should do that in the PG era. Make everything like a Strikers rules match. You're like, oh, we're trying to be PG. You can't use swear words, or you get... Imagine needing to disqualify for using foul language. Well, then again, we saw that once between Team Nexus and the Core on an episode of Raw when Cena was a referee, but still, you know what I mean. So then the third match, ugh, this one was honestly an absolute waste. Elijah Burke and Sylvester Turkai against FBI, aka Little Guido, otherwise known as Nunzio, and Tony Mamaluke. This this was just a showcase just to try to get Sylvester Turkai over as a monster, but the problem is, I think, wasn't he released like a month later? Like, yeah, great move. Crowd didn't care for this. They were chanting TNA because Elijah Burke, his finisher was the what pretty much the front side Russian leg sweep, aka the stroke that Jeff Jarrett does. And Sylvester Turkai, he did the freaking muscle buster. Yeah, Small Joe. It was just a showcase squash tag match. Did not do FBI any favors. So it's like right away, the only you have second match in, and the only match or three matches in second one involving any actual ECW originals. The only ECW or guy from the original ECW that won his match even on the show was Balls Mahoney. That's sad. And again, it was in a freaking standard match. Next match, this match, I think you could tell Matt freaking Tommy Dreamer was not feeling this. He had to go one on one against Davari, with Great Kali who had him in his corner. Kali got sent to the back. Just standard back and forth match. Again, nothing special. It was just a standard match. Devar, like he was, Dreamer was going to go for the DDT. Devari reversed into a roll-up with the tights. And Dreamer was just looking like he was laying there on his back. He was like, fuck this shit. Like, usually if you're getting co like covered by a schoolboy roll-up, there's at least some kind of element of like trying to fight your way out of the pin, even when you're getting rolled up, even with the tights. Because like you see that a lot, especially if somebody is not getting their ass kicked that badly. And yet Dreamer did not even try to fight out. I mean, like... 
Like, look at SummerSlam 2002. Shawn Michaels countered the pedigree into a jackknife roll-up at the end of his match against Triple H. And Triple H, who was completely out of, like, out of full energy, bloody and beaten and battered and bruised, yet even with that jackknife roll-up after getting his ass kicked, he was still trying to kick out of the pin. But yeah, Tommy Dreamer did not take that much offense com in comparison. If he was just laying there, he'd be like, ah, just let him win. Like, the only extreme moment you had, even up to this point of the show, was after the match when the great colleague did that two-handed choke mom, I think later known as the Punjabi Plunge, on the stage. That was the most extreme moment you had all night. And it wasn't even during the match. And this led to nothing, because Davari didn't really do anything after this. Like, yeah, Davari freaking managed Great Khali for a little while before Rajan Singh took over, but then afterwards, Davari didn't do a damn thing. The next thing you know, he eventually leaves. The only thing I remember Davari doing after this was being the first person to ever take a pinball loss from Cody Rhodes. In, like, the following year when Cody Rhodes had that rule saying, Oh, pal, your job is on the line. You're losing a lot. If you don't win this match against Davari, you're fired. That's the only thing I remember Davari doing after this. Then this next match, I think Mike Knox talked about this in a backstage in an interview. Himself and Kelly Kelly teamed up against Ariel and Kevin Thorne. I think Mike Knox even was discouraged from doing this match because I think freaking Arnie Anderson talked to him backstage saying that no matter what, nobody's going to remember this match. They're just going to focus on Kelly Kelly or whatever, and that freaking completely depressed him. But like this whole thing, this match was honestly pointless. The only baby face in this match was Kelly Kelly in this mixed tag match. Nothing special to it. And honestly, there are two things to remember. Kelly Kelly wishing CM Punk the best of luck in the main event to the promo before the match. And then, of course, freaking Mike Knox deserting Kelly Kelly. That's all you remember, and then Ariel and Kelvin Thorne won. Yay! Wrestling! So now we move on to the main event, and I know I skipped bringing this up on the peer review because this was a sad note. During the show, like, for the main event, this was the only other match that was advertised for the peer review. It was supposed to be... Big Show defending the ECW Championship against Bobby Lashley, Test, Rob Van Dam, CM Punk, and Sabu. However, freaking Sabu got taken out backstage by a mystery assailant, which never got followed up upon. Got attacked by, like, backstage, rendered unable to compete, and they just had Hardcore Holly take his spot. Like, this would have been the perfect environment for Sabu. Like, he's the suicidal, homicidal, genocidal, death-defying maniac, for fuck's sake. But instead, they put in Hardcore Holly. So, the whole role is, two men start, one man in each chamber pod, but each chamber pod has a weapon. One has a chair, one with a crowbar, one with a baseball bat covered in barbed wire, and a table. However, Extreme, ah. Uh, I think the only match that may be an Elimination Chamber match that has been voted to be worse than this was the Intercontinental Championship Elimination Chamber match from 2015. Most likely rightfully so, even though I can't remember the latter. But this match, you started off with Rob Van Dam and Hardcore Holly. They tried repeating that spot from the first Elimination Chamber match where RVD is like Spider-Man on the chains on the wall surrounding the chamber, but then missed flying off because Hardcore Holly got out of the way. I mean, CM, like everybody's wanting to see CM Punk win this. But yet, he's the first man eliminated because of Rob Van Dam. Really took the wind out of the sails of the match, like, right about that point. Harker Holly got taken out, I think it was, like, almost like a miscommunication in terms of, like, a three-count being done. RD got taken out nastily because you got freaking... I think he had a chair on top of his head while also being probably, I think, one of two people busted open this match. And tested an elbow drop off the chamber pod to eliminate RVD, which was a great moment. But still, like, that was one of the few extreme moments you had of the night.
then like, ugh, this is where everything then starts to go downhill. Tess gets taken out because of Bobby Lashley with the crowbar. Then you're down to Lashley and Big Show. This was the point where people just gave up on this. And I do not blame them. They're like, Big Show kind of got his barbed wire back stuck in a chamber wall, in the one parts of the chamber wall. He got freaking blasted through the one of the pods. He's, Big Show's bleeding. And at the end, Bobby Lashley got the spirit to get the victory and become the new ECW champion. But the weapon he had in his pod barely got used. Because, like, like, he had a table in the in his pod, and the henchmen for Paul Heyman, who were the Basham brothers in disguise, were keeping the pod shut so Lashley cannot escape, but yet he just used the, cha used the table to break through the roof of his pod to escape. So he broke the chains with the table, and there was literally nothing else for the use of the table afterwards, just a way to escape this pod. Then afterwards, like I said, he got the spear on Big Show, got the pin, new ECW champion, which the crowd did not care for, and the show went off the air without, like, way too damn early. Like I said, I think that ended just a little over two hours. So, like, they had plenty of time to still fill, and yet all you had were six matches, and the crowd didn't give a shit. Then again, nobody ever was. So it's like, you look at these six matches, the only man from the original ECW that won their match was Balls Mahoney against Matt Stryker. Hardy Boys Eminem, neither tag teams were part of even the brand itself. Like, there was only one extreme match, and it was a letdown. FBI got squashed, and it was for nothing because Sylvester Turkai would be gone shortly after this. Tommy Dreamer, he just pretty much took that loss from Davari and then got freaking attacked on the stage. There was nothing special about the mixed tag match, and then the main event just felt flat to the point where nobody cared. Because, like, Paul Heyman wanted CM Punk to win. Big Show was in favor of that because Big Show was ready to take time away from the company. Vince didn't want it. It's like, damn it, we gotta have Black Lesnar being the ECW champion. Problem is, though, Bobby Lashley doesn't have any charisma, can't cut his own promo, so how exactly is he connecting to the crowd if he has no emphasis to his voice? It's like this whole show was a freaking disaster. Two advertised matches. It's this entire show. One of them did not happen as advertised, as I mentioned during the... I believe I mentioned during the... I might have mentioned it during the three-part series. I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head at this point. But it's like this show was an absolute disaster. From beginning to end. You look at the buy rate, 90,000 pay-per-view buys. The lowest buy rate in WWE history before the WWE Network was implemented. And it's no wonder because this year, that was like the 15th pay-per-view they had out of 16 in the year of 2006. But people were not given a reason to care about this show. It was the... Like I said, this is the only pay-per-view I rank worse than the pay-per-views I listed earlier. WrestleMania 2, 9, 11, 15, 16, Survivor Series 99, SummerSlam 93, King of the Ring 95. The worst pay-per-view they ever produced. Like, it was at this point where ECW jumped the shark. Like, well, that's hard to say because they never really hit a high point. But in terms of where things went downhill from there, pfft, it was done. Because then you guys remember, four months later, after this pay-per-view, Vince is ECW champion. Then again, I mentioned that during the history of the ECW championship in WWE episode, in the history episode of the podcast. But it's like this show was just so bad. The only watchable match you really had was the opener for Hardy Boys Eminem, despite the fact that it went, dragged on a little too long, and like I said, between two tag teams who weren't even assigned to the brand. 
the main event was lackluster, and then the four matches in between all sucked. Like, why? Like, ECW is supposed to be known for being extreme, for being hardcore, for being exciting, yet this match was as exciting as freaking watching paint dry inside of a house that smells like ammonia, that reeks of ammonia. This is why I'm so glad that I'm not doing a freaking video review, because otherwise I'd be bashing my head into a wall. Because like I said, having to rewatch, having to review this show in video form means I have to rewatch the footage in order to edit it, and I'll lose my mind if I have to do that. I don't freaking have to drink myself into oblivion if I ever have to watch this show ever again. Like, what were they thinking? You can't have a pay-per-view and expect people to care if you advertise two matches and then give throw in four random matches. It was like you combined two episodes of ECW on Sci-Fi together with maybe one specialty match and that was it. Because you had four filler matches and they all sucked. Good lord, who freaking booked this crap? It was a disaster. Ugh. The type of show that makes you want to drink until you freaking develop some kind of liver disease from way too much damage due to all the alcohol intake. Anyway, that's going to conclude for today's episode, folks. If you all enjoyed hearing me suffer, leave a like, comment what you think below, subscribe or follow, depending on what service you're listening to this episode on. Give your thoughts on this peer review. I hope you can be amazed if anybody legitimately enjoyed the show. Because if anybody enjoyed the show, you're either an alcoholic or you're high in narcotics of some kind. It's the only way you can enjoy the show. You have to be high on acid to watch the show and think that it was anything even remotely entertaining. At all. So anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. Like, comment, subscribe. Peace out. And good day, everybody.